with me and go to Isaiah chapter number 40. Isaiah chapter number 40. We'll dive right into the message. Man, when service started, the room was pretty empty. Service gets started and the room fills up pretty quick. And uh, Felix and Erica, I know you guys think you come in a few minutes late. You're always going to have room in the back. That's not how it works in this church. You come in late, you got to sit in the front. That's how it works. In fact, you have to be sitting right here. You come in as late. Right there is the perfect spot. I saw your kids come in and they're like, we're going to find, there was no over there. So they were going to find the back. And you guys did. Nice job finding that there. But they got there before you guys did, so that's just what happens. So just remember, church starts at 9.30. If you think that way, you'll be here by 10 o'clock, and you'll be in great shape. This time it was your fault. I know normally it's Felix getting that hair just right. I know what it is, but that's all right. Isaiah chapter number 40. <coughs> How do you really know what someone is like? Maybe you start by looking at their interests. You know something about them. Um, we're going to do this real quick this morning. We're going to play a little game together before we get into the message, okay? You think you can play a little game? Not a difficult game. Brother Jay, he does chapel for our Christian school, and he did this game the other day. He had Connor, our only senior. He got up, and it came down to who knew Connor the best. I'm going to ask you a few questions about myself, and I want to see if anybody knows the answers to these. It's not, I'm not going to be sad if you don't, that's totally fine, but we'll see who knows Pastor Brian this morning, just a little bit, okay? There, you say, is there a point behind this? There is a point behind this, so just bear with it here for a second. So can someone tell me what Pastor Brian's favorite drink in the whole world is? Felix, Dr. Pepper, amen and amen. Since I've gone on this diet and lost 90 pounds, Dr. Pepper's still my favorite. Diet Dr. Pepper's awful, but I try to drink it a little bit. But man, yesterday I had a regular Dr. Pepper, and it was so good. It, there's, man, it's just, I just, I don't know, that's my favorite drink. All right, what's Pastor Brian's favorite sport? Anybody know? Art has his hand up. Not, okay, that's my favorite, fo favorite team, but football's not my favorite sport. It's up there. What's my favorite sport? Basketball. Okay. And uh, no, hey, hey, it's like this. Basketball, football, and then thirdly, what would be my third favorite sport? Baseball. I, do, I play golf some. It's expensive, and I'm terrible at it. And you just chase. I get more exercise than anything because I'm chasing this little ball halfway around the United States. And my ball likes the water and sand for some reason. I don't know what it is. It's like it's drawn right there. People pay good money to get agitated. I just And I've done it too in the past. Now, as we politicize sports, sports has fallen way down on my list overall. We won't get into all of that this morning. But, okay, favorite, Art knew my favorite team was the Chargers. This is my last. So baseball, I have two teams that are my favorite. The Angels is one, and there's one other team. Padres. Say, how could, not the Dodgers, nope. In fact, being a, I grew up right in between San Diego and L.A., down in Lake Elsinore, Wildemar area. And so I have, I really love San Diego teams, except I never, the, the Clippers, I, I, I'm a Laker fan. That, that, my brother trained me right on that. My parents weren't sports people. My, my brother was. He's the one who got me liking sports. But how did you all know that I like Dr. Pepper? Because I've told you about it before. How do you know I'm a sports fan? Because I talk about it. You've maybe been in my office. Do you know who my favorite basketball player of all time is? Who is it? Kobe. And have I ever told you that I got to take a picture with him and talk to him one time? Because I told you, you know more about me. You might also know that I love our country. You could walk in my office and see paintings of George Washington. You could see, you know, last week, and I want to thank everyone, all of you that have gone in on our that gift for our 10 years of being pastor here coming up in a few weeks and go, going this spring to Washington, D.C. How did you know I'd want to go to Washington? Because you know I love, our, I love America. I love, I, have, I love history. I have, a, you know, I have a painting in there of when the Constitution was signed, when the Declaration of Independence was signed. I love our country. I'm, an Ameri I'm a Christian, number one. And I love Jesus Christ, but I love our country too. But you only know those things about me because I tell you about them. 
you have a God that you can know because he tells you about himself. How wonderful it is that the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe would let us know him. Don't ever lose sight of that. We get to Isaiah chapter number 40. And look at how the chapter begins. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Does that tell you the people needed some comfort? I think that explains that to you right there. I think that's pretty clear. I think everyone would agree with that. So Israel must be going through a tough time. Jerusalem, the Jews, Judah, it must be a tough time. Look at verse number 2, and the Bible says, Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her welfare is accomplished, and that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received sins. Talking about the fact that uh, judgment was coming. Verse number 3, The voice of him that cries, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. The voice said, cry, and he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass. And all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, I look right here. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. O Zion, that bringest good tidings. Get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. In a similar way, not only you learn about someone by them telling you in a similar way, we know God by studying his interests and his attributes, his character and his characteristics found in the scriptures. An attribute is what you attribute to someone. Specifically with God, God's attributes are the character qualities that uniquely define who he is and what he is like. Depending on how you count them, you could count over 20 attributes given in the Scripture about God. What my goal is from this series, which we're on week three, my goal here is, is to help you in 2020, in the midst of everything that's going on around us today, to look to God and to keep your eyes on Him. May God stop us, stir us, and strengthen us in this series. There is nothing more practical than beholding and believing God. For until we know Him, until we believe Him, we haven't even begun to live. This series will help us not only know about God, but actually know Him more intimately and more personably than we ever have before. Charles Spurgeon said it like this, Nothing will so enlarge the intellect, nothing so magnify the whole soul of man as a devout, earnest, continued investigation of the great subject of the deity. Man, some of the great writers of the past and those who have written books, A.W. Towser, I can't think of a man who loved God and his writings talk about being close to God. He wrote this, and he said, 
what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The heaviest obligation upon today is to purify and elevate her concept of God until it is once more worthy of Him. The gravest question before the church is always God. Under the statement over and over again, what were we made for? To know God. What aim should we set ourselves in life? To know God. What is the best thing in life? Or joy, delight, and contentment than anything else? Knowledge of God. Once you become aware that the main business that you are here for is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. As we talk about God and His attributes, I want to give you a couple thoughts this morning. Number one is this. All of God's attributes are eternally permanent with God. God does not change. Thank God for that. We read on Wednesday night, we finished the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth, it was a great place. It was a perfect place. In just a few, little bit of time, man had corrupted, and there was a curse on the earth, and over time, man had over and over again kept messing up and could not figure things out. God would punish them, hope they would get better, and they wouldn't get better. By the time you get to Malachi, and all that time had passed, Israel, man had changed completely in that span of time. And God reminded the children of Israel through Malachi of this, I am the Lord, I change not. Though you might change, and though we all do change, though the world and circumstances around us change, God does not change. His attributes, they always have belonged to Him, and they will always belong to Him. Secondly, all of God's attributes are inseparably interconnected. We like to take God's attributes and separate them. We have a tendency in church today, God is love, right? And the Bible does say that God is love. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. 1 John chapter number 3, or 1 John 4 verse 7. But what I want you to understand is each attribute of God is a part of the whole nature of God. You can't just take the slice of pie you want with God and say, that's my God right here. You might take the slice of pie, but he's the whole thing. You can't change that about God. With God, there's his love, but he also has wrath. He does. There's his mercy, but there's also his justice. There's his holiness, but there's also his patience. You cannot, you, what you got to understand is all of God's attributes are in separate, they're interconnected. That's how it works with God. And then number three, some of God's attributes are unique to him, while other characteristics can be passed along to us, though in a limited way. So what do you mean? Well, first off, we're not self-existent, okay? The other day, my mom this last week, she fell, she messed up, she she has a compressed fracture in her back. The hospitals haven't helped her much. She got sent home last night, but she's in a ton of pain. My, Alyssa heard her screaming on the phone with me the other night in pain. And Alyssa was, it, it was heartbreaking for her to hear that. And I went down to see her. I've been helping there, but Alyssa told me the other day, she's like, Dad, when you see Grandma, you just need to tell her how much I love her. Because I was thinking about it. Without Papa and Grandma, there would be no you. If there was no you, there would be no me. So I literally wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Grandma. Let her know that. We're not self-existent. She got that one figured out. No one created God. He always has been, and he always will be. God is all-powerful. You and I are not all-powerful. He's omnipresent. He can be everywhere at one time. We are not omnipresent. 
He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. We're not all-knowing. But then the characteristics and attributes that he passes along to us in a limited way are the fruits of the Spirit, our love, joy, peace. Be holy as I'm holy. So there are some attributes that he passes along our way, but they're limited because of the sinful nature that we have. So with those thoughts this morning, take some time this morning, as we talk about it, just think about this in the amazement of this. That the Bible teaches us that God can be known. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that astonishing? The God of the universe, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, has chosen to reveal himself to us. He longs for his children to know him more accurately and more personably. Let me ask you a question. This should be the question that you ask yourself all through this series. How should the knowledge that God is, and you could fill in the blank, change the way I live? How should the knowledge that God is, and you could fill in the blank with whatever we talk about, what we've already talked about, change the way I live. We're here in Isaiah chapter number 40. We look at verse number 9 again. O Zion that bringest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain of Jerusalem that bringest good tidings. Lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold, Old has a m- numerous meanings, but here it means to perceive through sight, to peer, to spy out, to gaze intently upon, to observe fully. It expresses the strong feelings of surprise, hope, expectation, and certainty. To behold has the idea of vividness and emotional involvement that is used in an imperative. It's a command here. Hey, Judah. Hey, Israel, behold your God. Get your eyes on your God. Think about it this way. I heard this phrase a while back, and I believe it's true. What we More time for you. We become what we behold. Isaiah continues on. And look at what he says in verse number 10. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work for him. Feed his flock, gather the lambs with his arm, and carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with young, who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. Who hath meted out the heaven with a span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighted the mountains and scales and the hills in the balance? Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor, hath taught him? With whom took he counsel and who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed him? about God here and he comforts those people. Then he asks these two questions. Who's measured the waters? Hey, hey, have any of you placed all the waters in the hell of your hand and been able to measure it? I don't think so. Have any of us been able to take a span and a span is from your pinky to your thumb and measure the sky? I think if we stretch that out, you might get nine inches somewhere around there. Maybe you got really long fingers, 10 or 11, or if you got short fingers, maybe 7 or 8 inches. Hey, you can't hold the water in your hand. You can't measure the sky with your fingers. Who gave God counsel on how to make the earth? Who did God get help with everything? What you got to understand is this. Who's measured everything? God has. Who's ever measured? God, no one has, and no one can. Think about this. What you think about God shapes your whole relationship with him. 
What you believe God thinks about you determines how close you will grow I've heard it said like this, a high view of God leads to holy living, and a low view of God leads to low We don't have a contentment problem. We have an awe problem. Once awe of God is lost, the loss of heart to obey isn't far off. If awe of God does not grip your heart, the anxieties of this life will likely influence how you live. Your view of God matters. I said it before. Big God, little problems. Big problems, small God. What was Isaiah saying to the people? Hey, Israel, look to God. Keep your eyes on him. Hey, Christian, in 2020, pandemic, unemployment, political unease. Every day it's something new. A justice dies the other day. Say, what's your opinion on that? Fill the seat. Get a concern constitutionalist in that seat that's why you're president that's why the senate's there do your job and do it it's time that those who run our country and you can have your opinion on all this if you like you're not preaching so you can give me your opinion later and some of you will and that happens and that's fine i'll listen to your opinion all day long we have a constitution and if you don't believe in our constitution and you don't know the Constitution, you have no business running anything in our country. You should not, and we talk about, and no, 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 uh, Ryan. I'm sorry that the justice lost her life the other day, and I'm so sorry for her family. But she did nothing to stand for our Constitution. I, and I don't wish bad of anyone. And in this country, you have a right to believe what you want to believe and do those things. But if you're going to be in the Supreme Court, and especially depending on how this election goes, there better be people who stand for the Constitution. Because you, depending on how this election goes, we'll see how many cases have to be brought up before them. And if you are slanted away from the Constitution, you know, we look at it today, we meet here today, we're meeting here because God wants us to meet. But we also live in the United States where we have the fundamental right to meet and worship God. That's in the Constitution. And judges in L.A. can't figure that one out. The governor of, L of California can't figure that out. A lot of people can't figure that one out. Do you realize the only state, I looked at a map the other day, the only state that has super strict guidelines on churches still, and, and a lot of places they can't meet, is California. Even in the other states, and other states, a lot of Democrat, Democratic states, and you say, Pastor, you, don't, don't worry about being Democrat or Republican. That's what you need to worry about. Worry about being biblical in what you do. That's all you need to worry about. Because this is the thing. There are Republicans I don't like, and there are Democrats I don't like. And you say, I, just, just, I, I vote for people who are going to stand for the Bible. That's where I stand. And do you know there is every once in a blue moon where there is a Democrat that is that way? That is, it is possible. But let's put this little plug in here. And this, why did you get off on this? I shouldn't have been gotten off on this morning. I shouldn't have stayed. We're getting back to the word in just a minute. You just hold on. If you were preaching, you could do, God's people got to wake up. They, you really, we really do. You don't just vote for someone based on what party they're affiliated. You go study it out. You have the internet, you can know what a person believes before they ever get in office. And they might say that they stand for, and they don't, but you can at least, I'd be very careful who you vote for. And if they don't have biblical values, I wouldn't vote for them. And let me put it this way. If they, <laughs> some of you love President Trump. I am grateful for him as our president. But as a man, he is a godly man. He's a 
be honest with ourselves. But he stands for godly principles. That's why he's got our vote. He's not going to fix everything. No one does. God is our ultimate hope. But Christians, do you realize so many Christians last election didn't even vote? And then so many of us complain about who gets in office and gets elected, and you didn't even vote. You have no right. You have no right to complain if you don't vote. Let's get back to God. Behold your God. Don't, don't get too caught up on all the other stuff. This world, the news, Christians are too politicized right now. We're too caught up in everything. Our world is. Can't even watch a sports game without something being brought up. Our world is up in arms about everything. People, Christians are spending too much time on Facebook, too much time on Instagram. And if you don't know what those things are, praise God for it and stay that way, all right? Too many Christians are on YouTube. Too many Christians are beholding the wrong things today. I think Isaiah said it right, and I think it's what we need today. Hey, Christian, behold your God. The Bible's clear that we can have a true and personal relationship with God. But guess what, Christian? You will never fully understand God. He's infinite. He's immeasurable. He's uncontainable. He's unbound. He's utterly without limit. God is incomprehensible. That doesn't mean that he's unknowable. What that means is we will not fully know him because our minds can't do it. Listen to what Solomon said about the Lord in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 27. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, the heavens and heaven of heavens cannot contain me. How much less this house that I built it. Solomon figured it out. We built you this house, but this house isn't going to hold you. Hey, we have the written word of God before us. Do you know what the Bible told, tells us in John chapter 21, the last verse? That even if all the things that could be written about Jesus could be written, there are no books enough anywhere to contain all that could be written. And Solomon says here that God, he, the heavens of heavens can't contain him. This building's not going to be able to contain him. David said in Psalm 139, verse number 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. Talking about the Lord, I cannot obtain unto it. Psalm 145, verse number 3 explains this. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. Job tells us in chapter 26, verse 14, Lo, these are the parts of his ways, but how little a portion is heard of him. But the thunder of his power, who can, un <coughs> who can, <coughs> who can understand and as Paul concluded his glorious expedition of the gospel, he breaks out in praise in Romans chapter 11, verse 33 and 34. Look at these verses. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Doesn't that sound familiar to what we read a few minutes ago? Yeah, Paul's quoting Isaiah chapter number 40. Let me give you a little plug. This is another little plug here. What did they use in the New Testament? They used the Old Testament, right? I hear so many Christians today saying that the Old Testament is not relevant today and it doesn't matter today. How was the, how was the in the book of Acts, how was the church, how did the church begin? They had the Old Testament. I think the Old Testament's important. What did, the, what did the writers of the New Testament quote often? The Old Testament. The whole Bible is important. And yes, there are some ceremonial things and different things that we don't follow the Old Testament. I get that. But the Old Testament is important. Don't ever lose sight of how important the Old Testament is. That's your little plug. Another little plug there. As we talk about these things, not only can we never know everything there is to know about God, we can never know everything there is to know, even about one aspect of God's character or work. So, well, why is that, Pastor? A couple reasons. First reason is this. God is infinite. 
and we are finite. We cannot comprehend it. I mentioned it. I have a beginning date. My daughter said if it wasn't for my mom, I wouldn't be here. That's true. If my mom and dad, they didn't get married and God worked things out, I wouldn't be here. God has always, and he's eternal. God was not created. He's always been there. I've got an expiration date. Say, when is it? I don't know. The Lord knows. He knows those things. I don't know those things. He's always been. He always will be. He lives in eternity. Get this. This blows my mind. God can technically be back with Abraham and be right here today at the same time. Because he's God. Say, how does he know how the end's going to play out? Because he's already there. How does he know how the beginning? Because he's there. He's everywhere in between. We're in time. We can't comprehend outside of time. Can you think about heaven for a minute? It's forever. It never ends. There'll be no more no more no, nothing. Eternal life. We can't even grasp it. Because God's infinite for God. <coughs> but also, why else do we have a hard time? Because our minds are affected by sin. And we are clouded in our ability to know God. Because of sin. Our tendency, because of our sin nature, is to distort, pervert, or confuse truth. And what we do is, we use it, and we abuse it. The Bible says this, The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. The Bible says, if you say there is no God, you are a fool. That's the Bible, not me. That's why atheists have a holiday. It's April 1st, April Day. That's their day. And so I always put out Happy Atheist Day on April 1st. Say, well, why are they a fool for not believing God? Let me just give you a little thought here. I've talked to many atheists, and I don't, and I tease about that. I'm never mean to them. I'm never mean to people that don't know the Lord. I just this last week, someone who doesn't go to our church, a lady online sent our church a post on Facebook and said, one of your church members has been attacking me on Facebook. So I read the post, and this guy used to come to our church. He doesn't come anymore. He goes to a more radical church now. And um, I apologize to her. I said, I'm sorry. It says that she goes to the church of Satan. That's what it says on her post, on her profile. I apologize to her for the way that other Christian was talking to her. And if I showed you what he said to her, you'd be ashamed to see it. Say, do you believe in what she is? No, I don't. Not at all. I apologize, and I said that's not. And she's like, if that's the Christianity your church has, why would I ever want that? And you know what I said? I agree. I apologized to her. She ended up sending me another message, and she said, this is just a... Um, it's an account that she has that's not even her real account. <coughs> She's not really a Satanist. She does that, whatever. And she, I apologized to her. And so she post, She left a nice, nasty post on our Facebook page. So I said, talking a little bit more, I said, hey, do you think that you could um, get rid of that post now? Because I didn't apologize to you to get rid of the post, but he doesn't even go to our church, and that doesn't exemplify where we stand on things. And it was, it was pretty funny. She said, you don't know how to delete a post on Facebook? No. So she spent 20, 25 minutes and created a YouTube video for me to show me how to go and delete posts off of the church Facebook page if people leave, leave mean posts. A little bit of kindness there. Who would have thought? Now, does, is she really part of the church of Satan? Where does she stand? I don't have a clue. But we need to show the love of Christ to people. 
That's what Christian, that's our calling card. Yes, we got to stand and be hard on sin, but we got to be nice until the other side. Do you know Jesus was the hardest too, were the hypocrites and the Pharisees? The ones who thought they were religious, but they really weren't? And what did we, what have we been studying in the book of James? You can't bridle your tongue. Your religion's vain. Your religion's empty. We got to be nice. We got to be like Christ. Christ was a great example for us. But, as, but when we think about that, we think about an atheist, every atheist I've ever talked to, ask them one question. What did God do to you? And every single time, such and such and such and such. You know what that tells me? They really do believe in God. But by trying to erase God from their view, they think they're removing the hurts of their life. No God, and problems go away. The problem is, in our sinful mind, we get a distorted view of God, and God's not the problem. It's our view. Don't miss that this morning. When we talk about God, and so God's infinite, we're finite. Because of our minds are affected by sin, we're clouding our ability to know God. And then the third thing before we dive into the last part of the message this morning is this. God has chosen to not reveal some things to us. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the works of the law. God's given us everything we need to know. Don't try and find out something new about God. He's given you everything you need. We talk about this. What should that do? That should humble us. Because, hey, Christian, if you ever, if you ever make the statement, I think I got the Bible figured out, or I've got God figured out, men, let me help you out real quick. If you can't figure out your wife, which you can't, and when you start thinking you got her figured out, she throws you a curveball. You will never fully understand. You will never fully understand a woman, men. You will not. Okay. How are you going to understand God completely? You're not. And I'm not saying that. And 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 praise God that God is a man. You know, He's He's He says He, because you know, women act on emotion quick. God could just wipe everything out. You know, that's where you know. And praise God that He, you know. Don't get mad at me. You know it's true. Women act on emotion a lot more than men do. But men act on emotion sometimes too. But it should humble us in the fact that we'll never fully know him, but that we should be working towards it. Some people are like, well, if I can't fully ever know him, then why know him? You're missing out. The best part of life is knowing him. And isn't that kind of what Jesus said in his prayer in John 17? That they may know thee. We'll talk more about that verse in a minute. And then we must respond with, one, with wonder and awe of God. You know, Christian, our problem today is that we let everything else distort our view of who God, who God really is. Behold your God. That's why a song, O oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works of thy hands in me. Oh, I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe. And when I think that God, his son, not sparing, came to die and forth to die, that on the cross, my burden gladly bearing you bled and died to take away. Then sing, my soul, my Savior God is here. How great thou art. But you see, if you don't behold him and focus on him, you don't stand in awe and wonder of who he truly is. Having said all of that, God has made it possible for us to know him. And there are two ways that people get to know him. 
way is the wrong way, and one way is the right way. I'm going to give you the wrong way, and then I'll give you the right way in a few minutes. The first way that we try to know God, number one, is through our imagination. Each of us carry a mental picture of who God is. Problem is, that picture of God is a collage of of a lifetime of experiences, impressions, assumptions. The process begins early in life with our parents. Think about this with me for a minute. When you're born into this world, you can't take care of yourself. You have parents who seem to be all-powerful, can take care of all your problems. They're all-knowing, know what's right and what's wrong. They're ever-present, and they rule your home for better or for worse. A lot of us shape our view of God at a young age based on our parents. It's true. I am so thankful for the mom and dad that God gave me. Not everyone had that privilege. I get that. Some people, they have a hard time trusting God because of their view of God based on experiences and what they imagine God to be. And may I just add today, that's not right. You cannot view God and make God what you want him to be. You cannot blame God for every problem that happens in your life. You, that's not how God works. We take God and we blame him for everything and we push him into a box and make God what we want him to be. Listen to this. Think about this. We all have an image of God. Some of us view God as a RoboCop God. A deity with a big stick that's pushing people and policing the universe. Others view God as Mr. Goodwrench, fixing all of our problems. Others imagine a grandfatherly God who heard a discouraging word. Others view God as a vending machine, something you go get what you need. Chip Ingram, he wrote this, he wrote, Our distorted view of God is at the root of all of our problems. We've created a God in our minds, a small God in our minds, little g, make sure you understand what I'm saying. We've created a God in our minds who only faintly resembles the God of Scripture. These mental idols comfort our emotions, but they're powerless to deliver us from evil or transform our lives. Left to ourselves, we tend to reduce God to manageable terms. In other words, we shrink Him. Faced with this awesome, all-knowing, all-powerful, holy God, the exposure makes us so uncomfortable that we turn to our mental capacitors and shrink him. We try to tame him, or we seek to manage him. We invent a new deity who will wishes. Instead of following servants before this awesome God, we try to get, to get him to be our servant so that we can use him for our purposes We make him accountable to us rather than humbly realizing we are completely accountable to him. Our personal picture of God may be factual or it may be false. When we rely on our imagination alone for who God is, we deceive ourselves and we truly do not know who God is. That's where most of us get in trouble. Well, my God would never do that. The God of the universe, the King of kings, will do whatever the Bible says he will do. Do you realize something today? Our human reasoning, it doesn't work with God. He doesn't have human reasoning, and thank God he doesn't. You know, we look and we read the Bible. You know, we read those verses. You know how it said that who can measure the waters in the hollow of his hand? Do you realize, let me tell you something. Let me give you a little hint here. God doesn't have a hand. He's a spirit. 
Do spirits have hands? So why does it say he measured the waters in his hands? Because we don't understand. So God gives us a human illustration of, and what's that telling us is? Our God is big. That's what it tells us. He doesn't have fingers to measure the sky in a span because he's a spirit. But it helps us realize, wow, if he can measure the sky like that, you cannot put God really into human terms. That's what's so amazing that Jesus Christ was God and man. Blows my mind. How do we know God? Not from our imagination or what we think, but from God's revelation. Our imagination is always inadequate. The only way to know God is for him to reveal himself to us. How do you know I like Dr. Pepper? I told you so. How do you know I'm a Charger fan? Because I cry every year when they lose. How do you know that I'm a Laker fan? I've mentioned that to you before. You know about me because I tell you. How do you know about God? Because he tells us. That's how we know about God today. Apart from his revelation, we'll never know the things that concern him, the things he hopes for, and the things that bring him joy. But God's revealed himself to us in three ways. When we think of God's revelation, we think of an unveiling. Like the book of Revelation, that's Christ unveiling for who he truly is. When Jesus came the first time and he died here on earth, the world didn't get to see Jesus for who Jesus truly is. When um, James and John and Peter got to see him on the Mount of Transfiguration, they saw him for who he was. The book of Revelation where it describes him and his eyes as a fire, and all that, that's him. When it talks about in chapter 19 of Revelation where he comes riding on a horse, his name's faithful and true and he conquers, that's him. It's an unveiling. We see who he truly is. But we would never know that if God didn't tell us that. Say, so how does God reveal himself to us? In at least three ways. Number one, through creation. Through creation. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 1, verse number 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal God, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And that verse there, someone says, well, what if, what if someone lives somewhere and they've never heard of Jesus? Well, what does the Bible tell us right there? No one is without excuse. And I could give you a deep theological lesson on that this morning. For sake of time, study John chapter number one. Every man that comes into this world is given a little light. The light's every man. Not enough light to be saved, but enough light to get the ball rolling. That's why everyone knows there's a God, because the little bit of light that God's given them. Study that in John chapter number one. Look at Romans chapter one and see how that all ties together. And if you need help with that, I can give that to you at another time. Bible also tells us in Psalm 19, one, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. All you gotta do is look around and know that God created everything. You look at the beautiful mountains, only God could do that. You look at the beautiful ocean and the waves, but God did that. Didn't evolve over time, God did it. He created everything. Everyone knows he did. Deep down inside, they can try and fool themselves with that little bit. And the, the thing I understand, too, if you study Romans chapter 1, that little bit of light you're given can be darkened. As you, The Bible talks about how the righteousness of God's revealed from faith to faith. That little, little bit of light you have can either get brighter and brighter, or that light can get darker and darker. And where it talks about, um, and you can read more in Romans 1, there's a lot there. That's a totally different message. But we hear, we hear people all the time. I heard a politician, I heard Nancy Pelosi this last week say, Mother Nature is angry. Father God is angry. Father God is angry. Do you ever wonder that maybe the fires and everything going on is God judging us just a little bit? Do you ever think about the fact they talk about drought? 
They talk about, and they say it's all global warming. You know, this world has not seen global warming yet. Read the book of Revelation. It will get a lot hotter than what it is now. But they get it all backwards. You know, a lot of the fires that were started here in the state of California, and I know there are ones that were started by people, and I, I can't understand that. That just blows my mind. There are lots of things that blow my mind. But up north, most of them were started by lightning strikes. You ever think God gets upset when we say things that he'd say are an abomination? We say it's okay? That we pass a law in the state? A 20-year-old can have sex with a 10-year-old, and they might not have to register as a sex offender. And our governor passes that. That happened just last week. There's a bill that I don't know if it's passed yet that they're trying to pass. It died out, and now it came back here in the state of California that teenagers can get hormones pills to change what gender they are without their parents' permission. That's the state of California. And you wonder why there might be some fires? Do you wonder why there might be drought? Do you wonder why these things are going on? We look and we talk about how do we know God starts by creation. But if we only had creation, we wouldn't know everything that we know about God. Creation's limited. Creation tells us there's a God. But then, secondly, through the scriptures, God gave us the Bible. Think about this. How do we know that God created the heavens and the earth? Because the Bible says so. Who wrote the book of Genesis? Moses did. He was the earthly pen God used. Was Moses there when God created everything? Nope. Who was? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image. So if the Bible was just a book that some men threw together... How did Moses know how everything started? Because it's God's book. And God said, I want everyone to know that in the beginning, I created it all. John lived 2,000 years ago. I wonder what it was like as he was writing down the words of Revelation, as he was seeing these prophecies unfold. I wonder what he thought when he saw a car, or when he saw an airplane, or television. Because he was seeing events play out at the end, and I'm sure all those things, he saw those. Probably didn't know how to describe it. How could he see all those things? How did he know what was going to happen? He doesn't know what's all going to happen. God does, and God revealed that to us through his word. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. All of it, not some of it, not the bits and pieces you like. All scripture is given by inspiration. 66 books, all, all of it, God breathed, God moved the human writers as they pinned his words through the Holy Ghost, they're God's words, we, all we know about him comes from his word, you see, if you want to get to know God today, let me help you this morning, get in the book, if you want to learn more and you want to hear from God, get in his word, the book bursting with direct statements about who God is and what God can do. It, it reveals his mind, it reveals his heart, it reveals his will for us. We need to be in the book. God reveals himself through creation. He reveals himself through his word. And then he, then he also <coughs> shows us himself through the living word, Jesus Christ. What did what Jesus say in John 14 where the disciples, they just couldn't figure it out. Hey, Lord, show us the Father, and it suffices us. Hey, Philip, have you not been so long time with me? Don't you know that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father also? Hebrews 1, verse number 3, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he, is, when he had by him purged our sins, set down on the right hand of the majesty on high. John 8, verse number 19, 
Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Jesus answered, Ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. Is life eternal? Know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. You see, the problem is we picture God by what we make him to be in here. All of us know this to be true. Your God is what you make him. You cannot put God in a box and make him what you want him to be. There's a problem there, Christian. You see, God's revealed himself through creation. This book should shape your view of who God is. Jesus Christ should shape your view of who God is. As we get to the close of the message this morning, I want you to go with me to Jeremiah chapter number 9. You'll notice that in your notes there, Jeremiah chapter 9 was the first verses there, and you probably thought, that's your text, you were in Isaiah. Don't, all, don't worry, sometimes I give you a text, and sometimes the text just gets saved till the end, but the text will get used. Jeremiah chapter number 9. Have you ever noticed how much we like to brag on ourselves? You know, men, you, uh, you build something and you want your wife to go see it and see what a great job you did. You want to hear them, oh, you did good. And, you know, we like to brag or we get a car, we get a promotion. We like to brag on our kids. And we know and about, we, we like to brag. It's almost like we validate our existence by boasting about what we have, who we are, or who we know. When Muhammad Ali was the current reigning world heavyweight champion, he was on an airplane preparing for takeoff. The flight attendant, she came by and reminded him to fasten his seatbelt. And Ali said, Superman don't need a seatbelt. To which the quit-thinking flight attendant replied, Superman don't need a plane either. And so he buckled his seatbelt. In Jeremiah's day, the situation was similar to ours today. Judgment's coming. You can't, you look at our world, look at the wickedness, judgment is coming. Jeremiah preached about that coming. It's coming. People had turned away in Jeremiah's day from God, and what they were doing is they were trusting in themselves and trusting in their own efforts. Look at verse number 23, Jeremiah 9. Thus, saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches. The word glory means to shout, to shine. We're, we're prone to boast on all three of those things, our wisdom, our power. That's how it is today, right? Those with power, wisdom, and wealth, people look up to them and glory in them. You know, I try and teach my kids, and I mentioned earlier, my favorite basketball player of all time, Kobe Bryant. I make sure my kids know he might have been my favorite player on the basketball court, but his life off the court and who he was, I did not want them doing those things. I don't try to point them to myself because I mess up all the time. I don't tell my kids, you look to me and you glory in your day. No. Because dad messes up all the time. But we have uh, this thing in this world, we like to point everybody to people. And like I hear too many Christians, and I mentioned it earlier and I'll mention it again, Donald Trump is not God. Don't glory in Donald Trump. I'm thankful he's our president. I am. And you might not be, and that's your thing. But when you start glorying in men, and you exalt them, and we see it in churches all the time too. Growing up in the churches that I've grown up in, we have this exalting men. And that just sets them up for failure. We don't glory in men. We don't. We don't glory in wealth. We don't look at what the next verse says, verse 24. It says, 
But let him the glory of glory in this. Get it? Listen, look right here. That he understandeth and knoweth me. That I am the Lord which exerciseth loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Hey, Christian, don't brag and don't lift up all these things. Hey, what should you brag about? God. Isn't that what Paul said as well? God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Same thing, Old New Testament. We see that verse there, the word understandeth, idea of having insight, and the word know, knoweth there, refers to an intimate relationship. We must have facts and friendship, revelation and relationship. We're called to know his character and to grow in those. And think about this, since God exercises in that verse, loving kindness, judgment and righteousness, he's pleased when we show loving kindness, justice, and righteous living. What should we do? What Hosea told the people to do in Hosea chapter 6, verse number 4. Then shall we know, if we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come unto us as rain, as the latter and former rains unto the earth. To follow on means to move toward the goal with undiminished vigor. Has the idea of pursuing and chasing after. Have a goal to know God. Now, isn't that amazing that that's what the Bible says here? And what did Paul say in Philippians chapter 3? Go there real quick. We're ending right here. We're rounding the finish line. Man, if you've been here at the first service, you'd already have been home by now. Come to the second service, and I don't have another service waiting for me, so I can just keep preaching, preaching, preaching. So that's the benefits of an 830. Here we go, Philippians 3, verse number 7. But what things were gained to me, those things I count lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the things, the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. And being found... In him, not having righteousness which is after the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. What does Paul say? That I may know him. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, and being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I may obtain the resurrection of the dead. And then we look at verse 14 I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. It was Paul's desire to know God. And hey, Christian, glory in this world and the things that they glory in. Glory in the fact that you know God. Glory in Him. So going through 2020, and 2020 has been quite a year. And it's not over with. And everyone else around you is like, oh man, everything. And you can just say, my God's got everything. Because your view of God should be based on circumstances and what you think of him should be based on what the book says. And spend your lifetime here on earth getting to know him. It's worth it every minute. And I'll tell you this. Sometimes the more you get to know a person, the less you like about them. And sometimes it's better not to know a lot about some people. And I can tell you, people in this room today, last service, I know a lot about a lot of people. And, and I love everyone in this room, so see, it doesn't matter with that. But some people, it's just like, I wish I just didn't know that about them. The more you know about God, this is what happens. The more you want. And the more you know, the more you want. And Paul, when he had wrote those words in Philippians, he was in a jail cell. He had been following the Lord for a while. And he said, all the things I accomplished in life, my degrees, being of this tribe, all these things, is not, it's, it's as poop, dung. What really matters is knowing him. Christian, how's your attitude today? Do you know him? 
that I'm saved. I didn't ask you that. You can be saved and not truly know him. You can be in the room with him and never have a personal conversation with him. Do you know him? Because I'll tell you this. Your view of God and how you view God will change your life. Biggest problem with Christians today, we haven't beheld our God. Let me encourage you as I close. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Because what will happen is the things of earth, earth will dim. In the light of his glory and might. Behold your God. Father.